Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Revelation chapter 9. I've mentioned a couple of times now that it, it seems to make the most sense to understand these visions, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, as in some way overlapping. Scholars use the term progressive parallelism, and I think that describes very well what we're seeing here. The seven seals give us the big picture. The seven trumpets zoom in on the last act, and the seven bowls zoom in on the last scene in the last act. Here in Revelation 9, we're halfway through the last act, you might say. So let's begin reading at verse 1, and we'll read through to verse 6. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke, like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Now, obviously, I, I think in this passage, I think it's fairly obvious that the star is an angel, right? He's a he, and he opens the abyss, and a smoke of demons come up out of the abyss to torment people on the earth. Again, the primary Old Testament background for this passage is the Exodus and the 10 plagues of the Exodus. You remember those plagues were a mixture of environmental and spiritual events. There were in environmental events. There were frogs and rivers and, and hail. But there was also a destroying angel that killed all the firstborn in Egypt. And here we see much the same. We see environmental and spiritual upheaval. We've got earthquakes. We've got what looks like volcanoes. We've got what looks like asteroid strikes. We've got huge dust clouds obscuring the light of the sun. And now we see a cloud of demons rising up from the abyss to torment those remaining on the earth. So this is, this in particular, is an explicitly spiritual plague. And it is targeted, we're told, specifically at human beings. The text says they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. So I don't think that there can be any question here that the locusts we're talking about are demons. This, this is a, a spiritual plague. This is not a prophecy about a great end times swarm of hungry grasshoppers, right? Th these are demons. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss, right? That's a dead giveaway that these are not grasshoppers. And by the way, you meet this kind of symbolism in the Old Testament. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 12, the text says that God sent the hornet ahead of Israel to drive out their enemies. That's in reference to a promise made back in Deuteronomy. Now, 
most scholars agree that the Hebrew word translated as the hornet in these passages is almost certainly a reference to an angel of terror. Okay, so so it is here. This this is a plague of demons, and it is unleashed upon the children of the beast. If you're marked with the mark of God on your forehead, they leave you alone. Now again, what does this sound like? It sounds for all the world like the Exodus, like the Passover event. In the Passover story, the angel of death went through Egypt and it passed over anyone who had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Now the demons of the abyss are set free and they pass over anyone who has the blood of the lamb on their foreheads. Are you seeing that? Now we're told in the text this lasts for five months. They don't they don't kill people, but they torment them in the manner of scorpions. Scorpions are symbolic of great pain that is short of death. Apparently, the stings of some scorpions are said to induce mind-numbing pain, but are not fatal. That's the idea here. And so what are we seeing? It seems for all the world to me that, that what we're seeing here is the beginning of the torments of hell. There is a sense in which heaven begins here on earth for God's people, and there's also a sense, according to this story, that hell begins on earth for the damned. See how it says, they wanted to die and they could not. They, they longed for death and it came not. This is quite literally hell on earth. Let's pick up the text at verse 7. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of, noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions. Their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. So again, you can hear just from the many uses of the word like. This, this is symbol. We're not supposed to be imagining an actual army. This would be a weird-looking army if it were an actual army. I think it's obviously a symbolic depiction of fearsome, demonic forces unleashed upon the earth. Right? Their king is named the Destroyer. And again, he sounds an awful lot like the destroying angel of the Exodus. Let's read verses 12 to 19. It says, The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels, who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. The heads of the horses were like lion's heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails 
for their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. Again, this sounds like another demonic plague, different and even more destructive than the first. So here we have four great angels with twice 10,000 times 10,000 troops under their command, and they have been released to kill a third of mankind. So this is obviously some sort of devastating plague that is demonic in origin, right? This is, I, I, I think it's absurd even, or at least wildly out of form with apocalyptic literature and with the actual words of this text to imagine that this is an actual army of 200 billion soldiers, you know, invading from the east. Everything is like, and hard to imagine any horse that actually looks like this. And then we're told in verse 18 that explicitly we're told that these are plagues. These three plagues kill a third of mankind. So this is this is both a demonic attack and a plague. I think you would say it's a demonically induced plague. Again, what we're seeing here is that the line between what is physical and what is spiritual is completely erased in this last act of God's saving and judging work upon the earth. In verses 20 to 21, we, we read this. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. They did not repent. It's hard to imagine, and yet we've been prepared for that in the text. We already saw in chapter 7 the full number of the elect after the sixth seal. So from, from this point onwards, during the final phases of the Great Tribulation, the emphasis switches entirely to judgment. No one else gets saved. The full number has already been gathered. Everyone else now is just further hardened. And they receive the full, unmixed cup of God's wrath and judgment. Hence the regret of the angels in heaven. I say again, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Therefore, our Lord and God, we ask that you would cause your word to spread and speed throughout all the earth. Grant favor to your church and to her missionaries in every tribe, tongue, and nation. Let these visions and these prophecies fire your servants with gospel zeal. Burn away our lethargy, reignite our passion, draw us into prayer, and send us forth to proclaim the mercies of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And thank you for listening to End of the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow, right here, for another episode of Into the Word. Before.